Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 422. Why are you talking like that? I don't know. Why are you talking like that? Well, I'm not talking like that. I mean, it's just, I'm doing what you do. Okay, so if I Well, it'd be great. Welcome oh, to I the love podcast. podcast. That's really fantastic. Number 422. Uh, who is our guest this week? Do we say that up top? No, we'll get there. All right. Who's our sponsor this Someday week? What do we'll we do? We'll get there. What do we do? I love that you're trying to learn how the intros work because you've never listened to the podcast before. Why would I be expected to listen to something I've already been a part of? Thanks if you watched uh, Talking Dead last night. Uh, sorry, Chris. I missed it. You son of a bitch. Well, you don't listen to the podcast. You no. don't watch my shows. Nope. Well, you're busy working. I write one of your shows. <laughs> you write on At Midnight, which is premiering in a week. October from, 21st. From the day this drops. Guys, um, please, tune in. October. <laughs> guys, I like the this, the slight desperation. Guys, guys, please, tune in. I mean, please. I don't know what I'm going to do after the show. <laughs> do it for Matt Myra. Just do it for me. You don't want to see that adorable face turn into a frown. You want to no, see that? No, you want to keep it this way. You want to keep it that way. That's good. Upside down umbrella. We like that. Um, you look good, by the way. Thank you. Thank you very much. I've been working out. Someone's been exercising a, trainer, a lot. You know, I have. Been, I have. Uh, yeah. What are you down now? Uh, since Comic Con, thirty-five, thirty-seven, thirty-eight. Wow, yeah. that's fantastic. It is pretty great. I'm down uh, fifty-two since England. Oh, Nerdist BBC America. Well, it's interesting that you brought up England. Oh, why? Our guest today is Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, my God. What was he like? Before we get to that, oh. thanks to Squarespace.com for sponsoring this episode of the Nerds Podcast. Oh, I love Squarespace. You know why I love Squarespace? Because it's the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. Yeah, and they sponsor my favorite podcast. How did this get made? Why do you keep plugging world? other people's podcasts? I really like it. And people should listen to it. We I have know, enough listeners. it's good. Uh, I know we're fine. We have enough listeners. <laughs> uh, Squarespace will help you instantly create a high-quality website blog. Uh, and there's no credit card, by the way, required to start building your website. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code NERDIST10. That's great, though, because I can't get a credit card. You can't? No. Why? Credit's terrible. Oh, is it? Yeah. you got to fix that. I'm trying. People want you to have good credit. I'm trying. Well, it'll take five to seven years, but, but it's hard because it. they tell me every time, uh, you don't have uh, any credit open. Why would we give you a credit card? Well, you could use your debit card and sign up. <laughs> well, you wouldn't have to. Right. It's not required. The point it's is up, you don't yeah. have to when you sign up. Uh, 
When you do decide to uh, do it, though, use the offer code NERDIST10, get 10% off, and you get to show your support for the NERDIST podcast. But it's, you know, they have an amazing support team. If you have questions, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It starts just $8 a so month. So if I have a question at 3 a.m. Yeah. on a Wednesday. That's right. I could call them? That would fall under the heading of 24-7. So you're, you're fine. At $8 a month, that includes a free donate if you sign up for a year. So don't wait. Go to squarespace.com, use the offer code NERDIST10, and get a fantastically beautiful, high-quality website. Yeah, like maybe you just like popped out a baby and you're like, I want to show my family some pictures, but I hate Facebook. Make a Squarespace page. Or if you're a dude, you'd be like, oh my god, I just popped out a baby. I should go report this to someone. And Oprah will be to happen. on top of that shit. She will be right on top Real of you fast. with your man baby. As I said previously, this episode is Daniel Radcliffe. Who what? You could probably imagine I had wanted to get on for a very long time. Never knew if it was going to happen. I think that was just one of those like, eh, we'll probably never get him, but you know, Oh, it's good to have goals. Um, and we got him. And he was f- fantastic. We really did a great job with him. You know what? I was really amazed that I was able to keep my Harry Potter fandom crushed down. And I didn't. I was very surprised. I didn't, I didn't start talking about how I, that I thought the Gryffindors were really the jocks. And that I would have wanted to be a Ravenclaw. Because that's where the kind of the nerdy comic types would have been. Yeah. I would have been a Ravenclaw. And I probably wouldn't have won the House Cup. But you know what? The, the, if, if there were uh, like an onion or a lampoon... It would have come out of Ravenclaw. Yeah, I just <laughs> understood none of what you said. <laughs> the Griffin. Uh, no, no, it wouldn't be the Griffin. It'd be the, uh, you know, whatever the, the Ravenclaw. The Ravenclaw. Yeah, really. The hard. Ravenclaw. Yeah, it would be the the, the the Raven's Claw would be their humor magazine. Daniel Radcliffe is in a movie called Kill Your Darlings, which is in theaters on October 16th. and um, That's very soon. That is very, very soon. So here's the Nerdist Podcast, episode number 422 uh, with Daniel Radcliffe. Now entering Nerdist.com. Apart from these, which you only find in America. <laughs> the water nubs. Yeah. Yeah. Really? These are these are these are an American thing. I, I, you don't see them. They don't seem to be quite as prolific. Yeah. What is going on here? I feel like there there's more waste with these little guys because there just seem to be more of them. As Katie has said before, who is lovely enough to produce this podcast and purchase our water for us. <laughs> I wasn't complaining about the size of the water, Katie. Guys, just guys. She, uh, she has made a good point that sometimes people will just open a big water and true. then not finish it. That's true. That's true. I might leave this here just to make a point. <laughs> <laughs> Don't finish that. She's right. Um, uh, are we all recording and stuff? I did once see a, a thing, uh, just like some picture on the internet on some stupid site, which said, uh, which just had the 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 visualization of the tasty parts of a soft drink, and it is just like the first like the first inch of a soft drink <laughs> is the part you enjoy. And then there's the bit where you kind of go through it, and then there's the bottom bit that's just disgusting. It's just disgusting. Just it's swill oh, and the syrupy yeah. part. And, it's, and, you've, and the chances are it's been, you've left it there and come back to it, and it's now flattened. You guys just warm. aren't chugging soda fast enough. No, that's, that's <laughs> clearly. Yeah. You have to drink soda like you're filling a hole in your soul, I... not like you're just trying to quench your when thirst. When I was 12, the invention of the Pepsi wide mouth can was a joy. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's, I do like that about America as well as and, and all over the world now as well. But America, I think, possibly invented it in some way. Is the the, the marketing of beer because like beer is is just beer, and beer companies have a problem accepting that, so they have to like find ways of making it more interesting beer. So there's like your beer that tells you when it's cold, and your beer that like the mountains turn blue. Or so you're literally just describing Coors. Yeah. Oh, oh no. No, but there's Coors, there's, no, there's, there's they, other ones. There's got to be other ones. They have they, Coors has the most gimmicks. Does you're it? absolutely correct. Yeah. Okay. I know. Well, uh, well, of course. But the beer in England, it's not like after a hot day, grab a Boddington. <laughs> no, it's not. After a hot day, <laughs> grab a warm beer. <laughs> we'll England. kick your balls in. Like, <laughs> grab a pint of cider. <laughs> everything, everything in America is so ball punchingly huge. We invented waste. We invented <laughs> wasting things. I, when is I, what we've done. When I was in London in February, they all every barkeep. What, do you, what would you call them over there? Oh, no, we say barkeep, obviously. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, got very confused when I would try to tip them. Mm. Am I not supposed to do that? Am I not supposed to do that? Uh, yeah, that would be considered unusual. There might be a jar for you. There might be something. No, I would just hand more. them money. Yeah, that they would find that weird. They sometimes. thought it was weird, but they did smile at it. Yeah, me. I bet they There was a weirdness. They're, like, and then they're, like, oh. they're just like, huh, Americans. <laughs> this is fantastic. Either that or you're going to ruin their fragile ecosystem financially, and, and then everyone's going to expect it to be like the cane toad in Australia, yes. which is completely upset. Yeah. Everyone, All the barkeeps are going to expect it then. I only and know gonna, that. And yeah. the Brits are going to fucking hate you because then they're going to have to spend an extra $2 every time, they, two pounds every time they buy a drink. Yeah. Cab drivers, too. I tip them a lot. No, that's, that's correct. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. Good. But, it's very arbitrary right. at home. And, but if you tip them more than... I've had a British cab driver when I tipped him, like, I don't know, like, 50% or I was like, oh, just keep the rest. He was like, oh, no, I couldn't. And then, like, he made yeah. me well, take some, it back. Yeah, some, some, some guys... Yeah, no, some, that's, very, that's very old school. But, um. <laughs> I'll tell you, the motherland is very adorable. Ah, it, it, is. Is. it is. It is. We go back there. We feel connected to our roots. <laughs> Daniel, you'll probably be very uh, fascinated that some buildings in Los Angeles are as old as 1924. I get told this when I'm here, and, and, I always, and it is always said to me in such a way, you should go visit them. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure the house I grew up in was built around that time. I, <laughs> I grew up in a place called New England. Ah, yeah, very it's good. It's lovely over there. Yeah, I've heard, I've, I've heard that's very nice. We have a public garden that is from 1634. That is, that's, that's, that's pretty that's old, right? That's really old. We did it. We got in, uh, I like the fact that in Canada, there's, I found out there's there's a London and it has a River Thames. Whoa. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. That's, and like, it's not that's made dedication. of Legos? Because we got one of those <laughs> in San Diego. It's, what's, uh, <laughs> what's the place in the, what's the place in Nevada, like the Spring Break place, they they have like a London Lake Bridge Tahoe? there. No, Havasu. Okay. They have like a replica of the London. I think they have the replica of the London Bridge in Lake Havasu. Which is not even the most impressive. Look that up, bridge. <laughs> What is the most impressive bridge? I don't know. I couldn't possibly. Well, I live. I like all the bridges around Chelsea. That's my. <laughs> well, that's we my know area. every Christmas all the bridges are destroyed by the Daleks, and then you guys have to rebuild throughout the year. I I don't want to talk to him. You're making it. That's all right. Okay, no, it's okay. It's okay. I'm dealing I with it. I assume that okay. happened in Doctor Who. Well, David. David Tennant doesn't watch Harry Potter, so it's fine. Uh, no, no, he, yeah, he, does, he was in it. Does, uh, he Damn was it. in it. He was Barty Crouch. So he was in it. Uh, Good yeah. point. Sorry, I, I got you. He though. doesn't like to watch what he does. <laughs> I like it. It was just a funny. Well, I kind of got you there. <laughs> By the way, there, there are two things that I've seen of you that, uh, I mean, obviously, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan, but 
extras. You. Your appearance in extras was <laughs> fucking phenomenal. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, that was awesome. I hilarious. Was, I was very pleased to be. That was one of those things that, that came at a time in my life when I knew that everybody thought that I was that person. And so being given being given a chance to sort of um, subvert that and take the piss out of it was was great. Um, yeah. It was wonderful because it gave you the opportunity to make that statement in a way that didn't feel like look at yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. It was know. just like you know he, he called you know I, it was a very surreal day. I was in Australia. I had just met a baby kangaroo, and I got a I got a phone call from, um, that my dad picked up, and he was like, uh, "It's Ricky Gervais." I was not accustomed to getting calls from Ricky Gervais. I had never got one before this, and um, and he was just like, "Yeah." And I was and I had just been out there watching the first series on DVD, just on repeat practically, and. Um, and yeah, and I, I was just over the moon to be asked. I was such a huge fan of his growing up, and you know his that you know that the office him and Stephen Merchant. Like I, I never feel Stephen Merchant gets enough credit because right. he is amazing, and, 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 and like and his writing on those shows was just extraordinary. And um, so yeah, I, I uh, it was it was brilliant and um, and a lot of fun. And I couldn't keep my shit together on set when Warwick Davis was playing that flute and <laughs> and, and you know. It, but it, yeah, it was two days. They work the most insanely easy hours of any set I've ever been on in my life. They work from ten o'clock in the morning till about three in the afternoon. Jeez! And um, and it was, world, it was the world. It was the World Cup at the time, and and he was like, you know, four like three thirty rolled round, and he's checking his watch and like, come on, we got to get out of here. Like, you know. Um, but yeah, so it was it was great. Come on, guys, we've been here five hours. I mean, come on, it, seriously, how long do we have it, to do it this? It really is like he. It's amazing. Um, I know he talks about this like on some of the the extras for extras, but it is amazing how much of the things that are absolutely standard procedure as an actor that he hates, <laughs> like <laughs> makeup, costumes, <laughs> like it all slightly like. That's what's um, great, you know. You put a performer in charge, and then all of a sudden, all that shit that you don't like doing, it's like, oh, why would we do any of that stuff? We're there's waste. A, there's an extra yeah. feature of them of Stephen and uh, Ricky in a like trying to call Leonardo DiCaprio and like just trying to figure oh, out, yeah. God. Trying to figure out what time it is over there. Like, is it I, is it like nine? Nine? Is it yeah. too early? Should we call? I'm gonna call. I'm calling Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. yeah. Uh, C. Merchant was also. I mean, like, well, I, people are just starting to realize. I mean, there's a billboard outside for Hello, uh, Ladies. I'm watching it. I'm watching it either. But uh, watching him on uh, Flight of the Concords <laughs> and just like, I, mean, I think people find you know. I mean, he was. You know, R- Ricky has that infectious laugh and 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 sort of you know that energy, and it's sort of you know it's that kind of you know bang 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 all the time. And Steve just has this uh, Steve just has this air about him that makes me laugh in my soul, like yeah. in, in a very not and not laughing at him, just like anything he says makes me laugh. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what it is. It's a very he's just a very naturally funny person and not a small guy. Not a small so guy. Freakishly tall man. Hilariously, at one point we had the same tailor. <laughs> um, who I, I was convinced was just, you know, using all the offcuts from his clothes to tailor my entirety. <laughs> uh, we had Steven on the podcast. He's, he's also the voice of one of my favorite video games, a game called Portal 2. He plays oh, his right. character. Okay. And he's just a... He, he's, I, I really hope he can... Guys like that and... Um, uh, uh, and I think it, they're doing a new Alan Partridge series too, aren't they? They just did a film. Are they doing a new series? Was it a well? film? Did they they just did a new film? film, which I'm I haven't seen yet, and I'm dying to. It's supposed to be amazing. It's supposed to be um, because that was that was to me like 
Alan Partridge and The Office. And actually, have you ever watched The Day Today? Of course, Chris okay, Morris. Cool, fine. Good, yeah. good, good. good. Um, because a lot of people over here don't know that show, and I'm always like banging on about it because it is where all those guys who you know are now, you know, Armando Minucci, uh, Steve Coogan, Chris Morris, indeed, and Peter Bainham, and a load of other people who you'll recognise from that show. Um, you know, it's where they all sort of came to our attention for the first time. And The Day Today is just, even if you don't know the new stories or who they're talking about now, it's still just so. Sp- funny and surreal and uh, yeah but Partridge is incredible too <laughs> see there's something that day, I remember there was a sketch of the day today it was like a commercial for a show watch a group of adults watch a naked oh, two year yeah, old no. dance around in a circle <laughs> in was, kitty stare um, yeah it was kitty stare yeah 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 kitty yeah, that was it, <laughs> and, it was, and it was sitting around a pen just watching a toddler <laughs> and it was supposed to be a late night program on channel 4 because that, that came at it that comes at it that comes during a, um, uh, a, 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 a them doing a feature on the history of the way sex is depicted on TV and it starts with like a 1950s featurette on fellatio <laughs> like where a man is explaining the concept to an audience and ends with like oh no it ends, it's about it's not about sex interview it's about censorship and then it, and it's like got you know the last televised public hanging <laughs> which has a has a musical accompaniment by by somebody by like a teddy boy with a quiff it's it's so that's the thing about all those guys is that they when they parody stuff they just they know how to do it in such an effective way uh, that especially parodying like um, English culture of the uh, English TV culture of the fifties is is very very funny. There's a lot there. Do you know those guys? Have you worked with Chris Morris? Or? I've never worked with Chris Morris. I've been a fan of Chris Morris for a long time, but I've never no, I've never met him. I, I've met Steve Coogan a couple of times and uh, and got on, and you know th- thoroughly nice chap. And uh, but yeah, I haven't. Uh, I'd love to work with Chris Morris or Armando Minucci. Like uh, the thick of it is one of my sure. favorite shows as well. I haven't watched Veep yet, but I'm I'm I've hear it's just incredible. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I saw you do, which completely melted my brain, was <laughs> I watched you. Uh, sing the Tom Lehrer element song on um, <laughs> on uh, Graham Norton. Yes, and Tom Lehrer to me, like, is I mean, uh, you you know, you don't have to tell me. Um, I'm I'm obs- It's the most starstruck I've ever been was meeting Tom Lehrer. I, I got to meet Tom Lehrer um, uh, a couple of years ago when I was doing How to Succeed, uh, the musical I did uh, over here, and it was like, I mean, I as as you say, he he was the person that, like, as a kid, gave me permission to be. Or, or let me understand that it, you could be both really funny and really smart, and 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 at the same time, and that you know his, you know it's his comedy is just still so ahead of its time. Like he's making jokes about and 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 clever jokes about like necrophilia in the 1950s and 60s like you know his 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 childhood friend who who achieved he his friend who achieved his childhood dream of um what was it what was the line um he his childhood his childhood friend who achieved his dream of becoming a necrophiliac and by growing up to become coroner or something like that and it's like it's a really dark joke and yeah. it's like the 19 early 60s or late 50s and then there's this pause while half the audience just recoil in horror and half the audience get it and then he just sort of leave, leaves a beat and just says the rest of you can look it up when you get home <laughs> and, and I, I think some of the early albums he actually recorded in the 40s really because I he mean, was born in the late 20s and he had his master's in mathematics at, at, at from Harvard at like age 20 yeah and um, then, and then, but when did he learn how to play piano? Well, when he was a kid. But the, and then, but that, like that's the thing is that he makes songs, um, unbelievably catchy songs about things that should not be able to be made that catchy. You know, new math. New math. Uh, new math is. You can't. You know, I, I, I try. I'm trying to. I'm gradually trying to learn that. But the, the basic problem is that I barely understand what he's talking about. <laughs> I know. So I tr- I've tried uh, to walk my through. I've tried to walk my way through it, and I still can't. Yeah, I can barely do the sum. <laughs> like you know, he's uh, yeah, but it's he's he's he is a genius, and I met him, and and he gave me uh, 
um, a copy of the Elements song that he had written, uh, but he said, said the Elements by Aristotle, and it's just one piece of sheet music with four bars that says there's earth and air and fire and water. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I know. Holy shit. I know. It's the best, it's the best thing I have. Did he know who you... Did he know, was he familiar with you? Yeah, yeah, he... he because um, he... David Chase, the musical director of, of How to Succeed, not anything to do with The Sopranos, um, was was uh, the um, he there was a connection to Tom Lehrer through him, and so he organised Tom to to come and see the show. And Tom had seen me do the elements on the Graham Norton show, which was amazing to me, and and actually like. He said he was flattered by the fact that I'd done it, which just blew my mind. I know. Like, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's just one of those. I mean, yeah. like, he, I, I've. I, Chris he, has his phone number and <laughs> thinks about calling him sometimes. That's true. I have his phone number. I have his home number. And, um, and every couple months, so I just creepy. look at it and I'm like, I should just call him. But I don't know him. So it would just be me trying to front load after he just says, hello. Like, it would be me just going. Here's a bunch of information on myself to let you know that I'm not crazy, but I really just want to say hi because I'm a huge fan. Like, I don't know how I would I get all that in. Before sounding crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's no, right. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's possible. I mean, that's the thing. If I'd met him in any other context, I had the luxury of meeting him backstage at something I'd just done, so we had something right. else to talk about, right. which was quite nice, so I didn't. But it was basically just me saying, sit down, Mr. Lara, I have a lot to tell you about yourself <laughs> um, and, and, and how much you mean to me. Um, yeah, because he's... he's, he's oh, yeah, and, and so cool. And just the fact that he sort of was just like, ah, I've kind of done everything I'm going to do in comic songwriting. I'm just going to go off to MIT and become a well-respected mathematics professor for, like, the next 60 years of my life. And, and you know, and uh, it's incredible. Yeah, he, he he taught at UC Santa Cruz for a long time, too, and he went back and forth between Cambridge and Santa Cruz. And um, in Santa Cruz, he taught um, a, a course uh, on the nature of math, which he called Mathematics for Tenors. Because <laughs> it was just a very sort That's... of... Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Anything he does is sort of like... The, the, you, you obviously know about the original. He did this thing, the, his sort of, um, you know, his first big performance as a, as a college student was when he was um, at Harvard and, and they... Um, he organised a re- there was a, he he through the staff I guess organised a quite official looking um, end of year review which everyone thought was going to be an exam and they arrived at the um, auditorium to realise they'd been the victim of a pun and it was actually a review R E V U E <laughs> the and, physical review uh, yeah and and he and that's and that was his and that was played playing apparently some of the songs that then later ended up on all the recordings but yeah he's just um, I've always liked songs that lyrically, uh, you know, that play around with rhyme and way the ways you can rhyme. And also, just they're so bloody clever. You know, I do think that there's not many... It's hard to be funny and write a song. And and it, it's hard to do both those things equal, you know, in equal measure. And even, like, I find songs like We Will All Go Together when we go strangely moving in it a is. weird way. Like, yeah. I do, because there's, there's a joy taken in the fact that we're all going to die at once. Well, and, <laughs> like, also, and also in that sort of that, in that nuclear age, oh, there was that very context. much a, um, uh, just a social commentary at the same time. Absolutely. And uh, I absolutely, like, his, the, his rhyming schemes... Oh. Are fucking mind blowing. Are mind blowing. Like the Vatican rag. Yeah. There's some amazing. Uh, something like um, 
get get in line in that processional. Step into the small confessional. They're the guy who's got religion. will tell you if your sin's original. Like, how do you fucking? There's there's one I love in in um when you are old and grey, and I won't be able to do it all. But he finds more rhymes for illity than anything else. He says, um, <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, an awful debility, a lessened utility, a loss of mobility is a strong possibility. In all probability, I'll lose my virility and you your fertility and desirability. Uh, and this liability of total stir- uh, no, I've lost it. Senility? And this, and, this, and this liability of total senility will lead to hostility and a sense of futility. I actually think there's probably a lot more in there than that. It's just, he's just, yeah, it's the playfulness of it as much as anything else is. Um, um, and, and, and as well in the context of the Cold War, with all that stuff, he was writing about, like, you know, um, uh, What's the the Wild West is where I want to be about all the nuclear testing and right. all that and stuff. Oppenheimer like, and all those yeah. guys and uh, but the 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 thing about <clears throat> the thing about Tom Lehrer as a performer is that it's so he seems as complex as the stuff is that he's making. It feels so effortless, like yeah. so ridiculously effortless that's coming out of him. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, that's, the, you know, the Element song is an example of it. It's just like it's the easiest thing in the world for him. I mean, and and and... But that's his his manner on the piano was so because that's the thing he he was like I think he probably could have done flat out stand up I mean it's sort of he was but I mean he could have done stand up straight if he wanted because I think he just he does he just does have an incredibly funny delivery and a way of a way of sort of slightly of of sort of telling the audience that he slightly thinks he's smart it's like he's playing it's almost like he's playing a Stephen Colbert type character yeah. where there's mm-hmm. a there's an element of like I'm slightly smarter than you yes um, but he's also letting you in at the same time and including you in the joke yeah um, so it's yeah he's, uh, he's 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 the best I mean I, if there was any way of you know I I, I I don't know. Um, I know he's a very private man, and so probably would never want a film made about his life. But they, we should do like some way of maybe just write a film about a mad scientist and well, incorporate Tom Lehrer song. BBC Radio <laughs> did. Um, they did like a half hour uh, interview with him because he never really does interviews, I and know, they I did. Missed it, and I caught it because it was only up for a certain amount of time, and I listened to it. BBC iPlayer stuff is only up for a few days, <laughs> and I, I my six days. Said, you have six days to watch Bargain Hunt. <laughs> You have six days to watch Bargain Hunt, and then it's oh, over. Oh, wow. Do you watch Bargain Hunt? Oh, I do, Daniel. Do you watch, I do. What else do you watch? Do you watch Pointless? Uh, I do watch Pointless. I'm I will also watch uh, Antiques Roadshow. Okay, well, yeah, I was the Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> My favorite moment on the Antiques Roadshow is it was one uh, was when there's somebody had a load of miniatures on their hand, and there was like a little bit of dust on them, and you saw it happening just before it happened. The person who was just going, to, and these <laughs> ceramic miniatures sort of blade and have to be like, it's great. Um, so it's just, I, I love TV for moments like that. Um, <laughs> Uh, did you ever think about is you know since you're a Tom Lehrer fan, is, uh, comedy is 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 something do you want to do more comedy stuff? Yeah, ever? absolutely. Yeah, no, I definitely. I mean, I do. I love comedy, and also particularly from, as I said, like most of what I watched growing up is comedy. Like that's the stuff I'm a real nerd for. About you know, I mean, I watched. There's an old English show called Yes Minister, which then was Yes Prime Minister, which was all set in politics and it was incredible. Which Mitch Hurwitz was going to put in the states. He was going to make it for the states, and huh. then ABC never picked it up. Oh, we don't always translate the British comedies well over but here. But it was Mitch Hurwitz. Arrested it was Mitch Hurwitz. Yeah, I know, Hurwitz. I know, I know. He Mitch. can handle it. Yeah, it, it, it's. I mean, it was an amazing. When when was that happening? Oh, uh, it was like? like three years before they did the new season of Arrested Development. Oh, oh right, okay. 
That well, that would God, that would have been really interesting, right? actually. Yeah. Um, but it, so it was, it was a great show, and I went to like I went to sleep to that for every night for like two years, and then shows like that and Faulty Towers. Um, I was never as much of a Dad's Army or Only Fools and Horses fan as a lot of people are, but Faulty Towers I always felt was just the best comedy we, we ever created over here on PBS, which is our public broadcasting. Uh, I almost every night I would fall asleep to Are You Being Served. That's hilarious. <laughs> and they also showed keeping up they showed keeping up appearances too on PBS. People love keeping up appearances over keeping here. And, appearances, that's what, yeah. what, and what's funny is that it, like keeping up appearances is, is like a super traditional British sitcom. Very like, British. It's but but like I consider, you know, it's not as it was never as like as as I don't think as like as edgy or or really great as something like Faulty Towers or oh, you know, anything right. like Faulty that. But, is no, fantastic. but like but but it's interesting because it does have like certain. It's it just amazes me the certain shows that translated over here. But the other, what was the other show you just mentioned? Um, Keep up appearances. Are you being served? Are you being served? Yeah, that was one that like. Growing up, I I watched a lot because it was always on TV, and then I watched it again recently and realised like. Again, just how massively inappropriate it all is. Mrs. Yeah. Slocum talking about a pussy, yeah. and then and Mr. Humphreys. There's a line Mr. Humphreys says, where somebody says he's 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 um, uh, you know, and for anyone who doesn't know, Mr. Humphreys was a very overtly gay character who, which, <laughs> but it was still unspoken in the show. But he was the campus character possibly ever on British TV. Um, and I think there was one line when he was like measuring somebody up for like uh, golf trousers or something, and some and the guy he's measured up says, uh, "Do you spend much time on the golf course?" And Mr. Humphreys says, "Not during the daytime." <laughs> and I'm just like, that is unbelievable that that was ever okay. Like, oh, like it's amazing. Like there, there's 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 so many things like that in that show. That but then. There's also kids' TV shows in England like Captain Pugwash, I seen which that. I mean, like that's famous for having characters called <laughs> Master Bates and <laughs> Seaman Stains. <laughs> and like this was a <laughs> this is a children's television show that really existed in England that I and many other kids grew up watching. Wow. <laughs> well, the values. Listen, you know, I mean, you if you think are... about it, Blue Peter could be a you know. Blue balls. But possibly. <laughs> Blue Peter means something. Hold on. Blue Peter's the name of the... Sorry to be... No, uh, please. Blue Peter is the name of the flag a uh, ship flies when it's leaving harbour. Oh. Well. There you go. I didn't know that. That would be appropriate, because I always call this my widow's watch, because it looks out over and I wait for my ship to come in. <laughs> Okay, wow. it's, it's getting nautical. It's getting nautical. We try to get nautical. That it's is, getting that nautical. I can go tie a sheep shank right now if you want me to. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I'll get my calanite. <laughs> not off. Let's go. <laughs> not off. The best podcasting is when they stop to tie knots. That's the best. Well, all we had for British culture and sort of like the the kind of uh, the proto nerds in America, PBS was. Right. Was our <laughs> our lifeline to British culture? There was really not many other ways. To- John Hamm talks about that as well, actually, because he's a massive British comedy nerd. Huge. And I was yeah. just like, "How do you know all this?" Yeah. And PBS. Was, yeah. Well, and then in, in MTV, yeah, uh, I don't know how that licensing situation worked out. Where PBS was like, "Hey, England, we get everything." Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know, but then, but then in the eighties, you guys have to pay for TV, right? You pay the license. TV license. Yeah. Because BBC's BBC's government uh, funded, but it's also unbiased but it but it's um like there are no commercials so that's the trade-off i guess it's crazy 
We got uh, in the '80s. MTV actually aired Python as well, and, and the Young Ones. <clears throat> the so Young Ones. Oh, did you ever see Bottom as well? That was another show. That no. You know, if you know, oh, the Young Ones is Bottom is I think better than the Young Ones. Bottom is just Rick Mail and Aid Edmondson living in a flat together, and it's basically Samuel Beckett meets. <laughs> like it's, like it's, it, there is there is an episode where they spend the entire half hour stuck at the top of a Ferris wheel. Like the, it's it, it's amazing. Aid Edmondson plays a character called Eddie Hitler, <laughs> <laughs> and it's constantly saying any relation. Yes, my mother, thank you. Um, I don't know, you know, for me, it's... What was the Hitler sitcom they had for, like, 12 seconds? What? There was a... During... We we did a show on BBC America, and we we did this game called BBC in it, where we would... uh, You had to guess uh, if the show was real or You had to guess if it was a real British show, or if we just made it up. And the fake ones all sounded like they could have been British shows. Yeah, and the real ones were like, what the fuck? (laughs) Uh, But there was a a Hitler sitcom that... Hail Honey, I'm Home. Hail Honey, I'm Home. Who was in that? (laughs) Because <laughs> I've heard of that. Neil McCall, Denica Fairman, Gareth Marks, Caroline Gruber, Laura Brett. How many episodes? It like lasted for like two seconds, like maybe two I, episodes. Well, it canceled for one episode. Canceled for one episode. <laughs> Kyle, honey, I'm home. But like the thing that amazes me about that, that thing when you hear like canceled after one episode, it makes you think, okay, well, at least they canceled it after one episode. But that's the thing is like, it took them to air that yeah. to realize they'd made a mistake. They oh, saw a script. <laughs> they said, okay. They, they had rehearsals. They, they watched it all being people. made. They gave notes. But we were talking about, but John Hamm was telling me actually on this, on when we were doing Young Doctors, about some, uh, some like movie, The Day the Laughter Died. The Day the Clown. Yeah, the Day the Clown. Jerry Lewis Holocaust movie, yeah. You're just like, what on earth goes through someone's head? That there's like two copies of and Harry Shearer has one of them. He Harry Shearer has one of them? Yeah. Yeah. Yo, that's right. He talked about yeah, that yeah, when yeah. he came on. That's yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah. I thought, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> I think, um, you know, something probably happens when you get to a certain point of your career, your comedy career, where... <laughs> Nobody tells you that, like, you, you have no right. tether to what other people would define as reality. Right. And so you probably think, well, why couldn't I do this Make thing? Make that funny. Yeah, exactly. Right. Whereas most people, like, if I did that, you're like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you, I, I have people in my life that would step on my yeah. neck no, yeah, and too, say, thankfully. you really shouldn't do that. Yeah, that, that bit's got to go. Chris, before you make that lighthearted tale about the Holocaust, let me talk to you. <laughs> about how it was not a lighthearted event. Yeah. But then again, Hogan's Heroes was on in the States for several years. Yeah, yeah, but that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was. You know, I, got, I never watched it. Never God, seen it. I got to say, I went... You know, I was uh, I was showing my my girlfriend um, Bob Crane snuff films. I was not showing her Bob Crane snuff films. Okay, fine. We watched Heather's again last night. <laughs> Very close. Which I hadn't seen in a really long time, and uh, it's 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 I can understand in context of the '80s why I loved it so much and why it was so. Have you seen Heather's? It's it was. What year did Heather's come out? '89. So probably around when you were born. Exactly when I was born. Um, but uh, um, but it was. Uh, it was Christian Slater and Winona Ryder, and uh, yeah. you know, a sort of comment on popularity and teen culture. And I, at the time, I just thought like, this is the greatest, most edgy. I watched it last night. I'm like, it's good, it's cool, but the acting is a little weird. Really? Like it's like it was one of those. It just felt so yeah. 80s, like so of its time. I think it's interesting when that stuff happens as well, isn't it? Because you you know sometimes you look at older movies and you know some of my favorite films like a matter of life and death uh which is the i don't think it's called stairway to heaven over here i'm not sure the david niven movie and it's it's like there's this uh 
I can't remember the the, the name. She plays June. June Carter is the is the uh, the girl she plays. But I can't remember her name. But it is like a very different, very heightened style of acting. You know, that's just a very different thing. It's interesting to watch it's how that evolved. Fascinating. Years, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, but like, even when you watch like whenever I watch Marx Brothers movies, yeah, that, and I see Margaret Dumont talking, I'm like, who the fuck? What is that accent? Did people who really? is talking like that's this? That, that's a Ooh. Doctor Doctor Hackenbush, I, I never. <laughs> oh, I guess so. I don't, I don't know. Like, uh, the, it's like and that, you see it all the time. It's like that, 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 that sort movies. of like mid Atlantic, that Atlantic kind of like. Did everyone talk like this all the time in the 1930s? Yeah. If you went into a soda jug shop, did they talk like this? <laughs> like, you, what is and that? You're accent? always like, oh, that's some sort of crazy exaggeration. Then you watch a movie from 1935, and you're like. Wow! What? You know what though? Tom Lair kind of has a little bit of that. Where, he, like, you know, yeah. when, he, when he says the like, uh, it's a sobering fact to realize by the time Mozart was my age, he'd been dead for two years. Like, there, there is a little <laughs> yeah. bit of that. There, there's an affectation. There's, to it. there's like a weird affectation. But mm. what is that? Is it somewhere? <laughs> where does it come from? Is it some like bad hybridized British American? I was about to sort of say that. Yeah, it might be some just a hangover, like a, a sort of a, an appendix or an accent. Just like. <laughs> well, I think the Boston accent is just. A Boston accent it's is so just... confusing to me because whenever somebody does a Boston, ac- Boston accent to me and you say, like, with the, what's, the, what's the standard sentence for a Boston accent? Uh, you park s- your car and have it. Yeah, that's, um, and, I mean, that's and, just what we do. And, and, oh, by the way, you'll get fucking towed. You can't park and have it yet. <laughs> and, um, well, yeah, you know, the, the, like, that whenever somebody says that to me, that just almost sounds exactly Australian. It's, like, that, because oh, those, those vowels are all Australian. And here's what it is. I think, I think... My uh, thought on the whole thing is uh, both English colonies, right? Colonizing Ooh. probably, <laughs> probably a little more, a little more working class people were colonizing, and it's sort of a Cockney that got turned a bit, and then it just turns into this. Let's just fucking forget the letter R exists. But I think, but with Aussies though, they almost sound like they're always asking a question. We- Park your car in the Harvard Yard. I was, I was listening to two Australian girls this morning at breakfast, and whenever they said uh, the media, it sounded like chlamydia. The media. <laughs> the media. The media. The media. The media will I'm get like, you. What the fuck's going on Every chlamydia? time. Every time will get you. <laughs> I also said social networking and the media. What? All right. We, we still, I don't, I, there's so many things that I want to talk to you and ask mm. you about. You also worked with Joe Hill. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. I still haven't He's seen awesome. Horn. Did don't worry. Co- no, 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 no. no has it not come out yet? It's not come out yet. It's only because okay. it was at the Toronto Film Festival, but okay. it's not. Okay. It, just okay. got, it just sold yesterday. Because I love Lock and Key. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I, and, and you, have you met Joe ever? Well, we're following each other on Twitter and we've had conversations, but it's, we haven't met. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? Are you I always saying like that? to say that. I always like to say that that is not a response to the question, have you met this person? Not, all right, no, we've not met IRL. We follow each other on Twitter. That is like a weird. That's a thing people say. Now. It is. It is. And, and, I, and I only don't. And I only notice because I don't have a Twitter. Right. So I think well, it stands you out. Couldn't to me. have a Twitter. I, exactly. I, I understand why someone in your position probably tw- Twitter's a little bit of a. Yeah, uh, it's just like there's a there's a great line in the thick of it where they somebody says like. The, um, Roger Allen's character comes in and says, I googled myself the other day. It's like opening a door to a room full of people telling you how shit you are. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. There's just no point. You, I mean, are, are, you, uh, are you pretty internet savvy or do you... I'm not really. Like, I, know, I mean, the internet exists for a few purposes, for like a few very specific purposes for me and like fantasy football, TED.com, um... Oh, the Ted hole! You get oh. you like fucking the sidebar. I'll just watch this one. Oh man! Two hours later. When you say fantasy football, 
Uh, American. Not really? English. Yeah, yeah. I'm a huge NFL fan. I don't like soccer. Wow. Much. Yeah. Why? Um, How I, are you an NFL fan? I got I, I got into NFL when I was doing the musical over here, and um, well, I, well, I was I got into it before that. Like I'd started watching before that, but then um, somebody started a fantasy league that year, and they were like, "Do you want in?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure, I'll do that." We're six months into the show. I need to pass some time, and like, <laughs> during the day, and uh, and and I very within like a week realized that if I didn't want to suck at this i had to put a lot of time right. in and and uh now i'm just obsessed with american football and, and who is what is your, what team do you i support well? the i support the giants because oh, i was bad. kind of christened a giants fan when i got you're a pats fan yeah i'm course. also a massive fan of tom brady like i do well who isn't he's so handsome <laughs> like, but, but yeah i mean that is well. he's got I, the most I, handsome I, yards can every I, can, year can, can i can i can i tell you something even better than that yes. which is that I, I i met him once and uh and i went up to him and i was like i just have to say i watched the brady six uh documentary on youtube you're awesome you you are like <laughs> totally just an inspiration, and 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 I met his uh, you know uh, gorgeous wife Giselle was there as well, and I sort of went up and, and gushed like that, and then said hello, nice to meet you as well, Giselle, and then <laughs> and then turned around as I was walked, and I, as I as I walked off, I distinctly heard her say, "He's so cute." <laughs> I, I I I couldn't avoid it. I, I heard it with my own ears. Um, you and Giselle so, nicely done. I don't think I don't think I'm going to edge Tom Brady out any time. So what I loved was swing when, around. And like, oh, I one more thing. But Daniel, <laughs> no, 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 Daniel, if you had a pair of Uggs on, I think the deal would have been sealed. <laughs> um, what, I, what I like as well though was Tom Brady's response to when like somebody was asking him. He just gave the coolest response I've ever seen in a like a press interview when like somebody asked him like I, somebody like said it was when Tebow came onto the yeah. team and they were so obviously he wasn't worried about that. But right. like somebody said to him like, are you worried about Tebow being on the team? And Tom Brady's response was. I don't worry about much these days. <laughs> like, I mean, what a great. Did you see? Did you see the post game on uh, the Sunday night game last week when they interviewed him and uh, he was just like, you know, kept saying almost the same thing to the question every time, like, "Yeah, we just got to play together as a team, and we did pretty well. It's like we got to do better." But like, going, 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 and then he she she goes, "Thank you, Tom Brady," and then he does the whole smiles at the camera. Hi, Mom! And then runs off. <laughs> like, he's still doing that. Nice. He's still saying hi, Mom. Good. That's, but I love, I, love American, I love American football, and I love a lot of the players as well, because they are just, they're, they're, they're interested, like Richard Sherman. Yeah, it's yeah. like, he, that, that I, 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 he is awesome. Like, I really enjoy watching him play, just because I, li- I like anyone who, like, yeah. you know, gets a bit chippy with people and, you know, starts mouthing off. Like, yeah. But also, he can back it up. But what was the, the, the he also coined, like, just the greatest unarguable phrase. Did you, you must have seen that conversation with Skip Bayless. Oh, you know what? I tend to steer clear of Skip Bayless okay, well, clips. Then, then you might have liked this one because, <laughs> right. like, I'm, I'm, I don't have you know two feelings too strongly either way on him. But like Richard Sherman said to Skip Bayless because Skip Bayless was having a go at him, and Richard Sherman just goes, "Skip, in my 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant! And it was just like, how do you come back? From you can't come say, back from what that. You say to that. I think what you do is you just you slowly take your microphone, lav mic off, and then you say, "Well, we're." Uh, I see everything is in order. Open the stage. Open the stage door. The, stage door the window. A noose. Yeah, and then it that's was, it. It was. It was really. It, it was just. It was. Very it just says, funny. "Excuse me," yeah, and then he just stands up on the desk yeah, and then just hangs himself. You just see dangling, dangling, dangling feet. That was actually that's going back to the day today. 
Do you remember that? Do you remember that bit where they said, <laughs> where they went, uh, they were doing their music bit of the day to day, and they said, now we go live to Ian Curtis, and it was just a skeleton. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like a really quick cutaway. And also, like, the thing is, when that show came out, it was like 91. It was maybe not 10 years. I don't know. Like, it wouldn't have been that long. Like, it's yeah. so dark. I think even that, even the Haunted Mansion in Disneyland, I find it very dark that everybody stands in there and just watches someone hang themselves. Like, oh, when, yeah. when the ride starts. I think I've done that. You just you look up and then someone right. kills himself. Are there oh, things Jesus. are there things that you feel like that you haven't really been able to do because it's probably a madhouse when you go places? I mean, there are things that I mean, yeah, there like you sometimes you take that into account before you go somewhere like I should probably wear a hat and keep my head down, you know, but I mean, I try not to let it stop me doing too much and some you know, and then if it does kick off when you go somewhere, leave, you know, that's sure. it's that's the sort of um the general uh plan. Um and uh, Places like actually gigs, uh, stand-up, theatre, f- films, anything like that is super easy. Any 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 event where everyone's facing one direction, a ticketed event, <laughs> and not but not but you mean not, the band One Direction? I don't mean like oh, facing okay. one direction, right, okay, like okay. Uh, like a in a like, death but, match. <laughs> I was going to say we're facing one direction. Um, <laughs> we could take them, guys. Uh, we think, could take. No, I don't know. We, we, I think we could take. You think them, we yeah. could take them? The three think, of us against yeah. One Direction? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. I, I think I think we should try and arrange that. Someone just drop a piano. It sounds like someone drop a piano downstairs. No, that was that was Harry Styles kicking the piano. Fuck those guys! I heard them! Yeah. It turns out they're just like these soccer hooligans and what no one knew. Fuck? Why do you all have nunchucks? <laughs> Bite his fucking nose off! <laughs> I'm gonna make you listen to Teenage Kicks. Um, but I always, you know, like, uh, the, the idea that you could grow up the way that you grew up and you seem fine. Like, you seem like a sweet, normal guy who, like, you know, like... I'm gonna, guess, I'm gonna guess you have good parents. I do have very yeah. good parents, and yeah. that does make it's a big difference. It's always the key! Like, yeah. I don't yeah, know really why, is. you know, like, whenever the magazines are like, how could this person who was a child star turn out this way? Like, well, let's just look over to the left about a foot yeah. to see yeah. either where the parents should be standing or, or, where, or, where, or where they're not standing because they don't want to be in the pictures of the interview because they're not like that. Why? Yeah, Like, exactly. that's the big difference. Like, my I mean, my you know, like, my parents, I mean, have never... You know, uh, they, I also was helped in the fact that they were in the industry. You know, my mum used to be a casting director, and my dad used to be a, a, a writer, a literary agent, and and so you know, they they sort of understand and um, had an understanding of it, and they, they knew that there's a lot of noise that goes around that you don't have to listen to and that you should ignore, um, and they know that. And yeah, as you say, at the heart of it, they're good people, and they like they know that they were never going to let me become like arrogant or a prick or anything like that. <laughs> that was just not going to happen. Um, and yeah, and I'm I'm very lucky, but also I'm lucky in the experience that I had on the set. Like I'm sure that if I'd hated what I ended up doing, that I could have become resentful of it or something. But I I you know I just loved it. Like it was a it, it not only it started off just being something that like took me out of school, and so I was just grateful for that. And, <laughs> wow, um, no school. Yeah, exactly. You know, my now I got to go act like I'm in a school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but it was. Do so, I have yeah. to hand in this work? Okay. No, nothing. I don't have, this means this is meaningless. Someone else wrote this. This is all, this, this is all fake Latin. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So no. I, I was lucky in the sense that I had a great time and it was something that like I knew I wanted to be good at. and also like I think when you're a, when you're on set at that age you hear and and the, my best friends on set were always the crew and because I was the only one of the cast like Rupert and Emma were there obviously a huge amount but they weren't there all the time and I was there every day and you know I loved 
it and I loved you know I felt like as much part of the crew as I did part of the cast and and you know in sort of talking to them from a young age you hear stories about actors acting like dicks mm-hmm. and you and you hear all that and there is a lot of bad behavior in the industry and a lot of it shouldn't that shouldn't be tolerated and you know I think at a young age you go well a I never want to be talked about like that and b if I'm ever in a position where I can affect you know a change in that or at least on my set alone make sure that that doesn't happen that that's not tolerated then you know that's that's what I want to do well that probably goes back to good parenting because a teenager uh needs boundaries because all all young people do while they're doing is essentially just experimenting with the world on how much they can get away with. Right. And usually life will slap them down, and so then they ultimately course correct. But but for, you know, a kid who's a part of one of the biggest franchises in the history of, and they're everywhere, and, like, you could see without really a controlled environment that that you would just fucking go nuts. Yeah, I think you would. But also, I think the other thing that's important to remember about that period in my life was that, I was on set for 11 months out of 12 of the year. Jeez. You know, they were, they were, they, every film took at least, the shortest one was 10 months, and I think that was oh, the second yeah. one. Oh, yeah, you guys went back to back to back to back. Pretty much. Yeah. And, like, so the longest I ever went back to school was, like, a semester and a half. So, which I was fine with. But, the, but I think that does, um, I don't know uh, what point was I making initially with this. Um, that you were in, you were on the set for so yeah, much I mean, of the year. There wasn't too much time to be. You know, I, I basically I used to say like I only feel famous for two weeks a year because I see the two weeks where I'm going around promoting the movie and it's coming out, and then I go back to set where I obviously you know we were the actors on the set, but we weren't being treated as actors. We were being treated as kids, and you know just allowed to have fun and have a great time and. And and we were having a great time, but then then it was a very gradual thing. So I never really, I was never on those sets. There wouldn't, and there never came a point where I was treated differently. Always on those sets because so many of the crew, you know, had known me since I was ten. Yeah. So like they were never gonna, uh, uh, you know, if I walked in one day and suddenly changed, they were gonna be like, "What the hell do you think you're doing?" <laughs> like, you know, it was. It was uh, I was very lucky in the setup we had there. Oh, that's really nice. So there basically, it really was. I, I, I hadn't thought of it that way. That essentially, this was this family that yeah. built up over you know a decade. It, I mean, it, it really was. I mean, the crew. There were some people on that crew who, you know, I, I they were who were hugely formative for me um, in in the person I now am. Um, obviously, my parents first and foremost. But after them, there are a few people on set, that set that like I owe a lot to in terms of who I am. Well, then it must be a very strange. I mean, I'm sure it's nice to to move on and do other things, but also at the same time, <clears throat> you know, essentially half of your life is spent in this environment, yeah. and then all of a sudden it's over. And- yeah, I mean, it is, but also like you've got to bear in mind. By the time we got to the end, we had been there for ten years, and the last and last film shot for eighteen months, so we were like tired. <laughs> like, that was a very practical thing. I'm like, oh, we, like, you just described the Beatles. Abbey <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> Road took forever. <laughs> Fuck it, <laughs> we're good. <laughs> and um, so yeah, so we, we, you know, I mean, uh, as much as it was very special, and I'm. I haven't. I've missed the crew. I've missed certain members of the crew. Like, and I've missed that <clears throat> being all together. But the truth is, like, I I worked with some of them immediately again on the Woman in Black. Okay. I, I've 
I will, you know, I will never work on a film. I'm about to do Frankenstein at home. I'm going to be working with a lot of Potter crew on that movie. In fact, I've just heard that the second AD on that is, I think, somebody who was a runner on the second Harry Potter film. Oh, wow. So that gives you an idea of, like, that's the brilliant thing about Potter as well, was that you saw, like, there was a member of the makeup department that started off as a trainee on the first and was second in charge of the department by the last movie. You know, so it, you saw all, it wasn't just me and us that were growing up and developing, but loads of people who came into the industry on the crew side came in on Potter. So I will always know a ton of people probably on any job I work in. It's like in James UK. Bond. Like when the editor would end up being the director four movies later. <laughs> like John Glenn, yeah. sure, yeah, go ahead. Right, direct. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it, but it is that, um, oh, yeah, I, I sort of tried for that. No. <laughs> somebody, somebody said that to me towards the end. They were like, would you, have, uh, like, they, they, I think I, it was a question I was legitimately asked on, like, the fifth film. I was like, would you have directed? I was like, no, of course not. Jesus, I can't make anything more terrifying than directing a Harry Potter film. I don't know how Chris Columbus did it. I mean, directing any kind of film sounds like kind of a. I know, any kind of film sounds fun. <laughs> I don't would like to do it. Harry Potter just I don't know I think I think that's why I mean I have and will always have such massive respect for Chris Columbus because to start that series and to start it in the way he did and to get you know to get not just three kids on that early film because on those early films there were a lot more of the whole ensemble of kids to get like 20 or 30 kids enthusiastic to be filming every day I mean, well I, he did deal with two Calkins twice <laughs> Um, <laughs> what do you think that was That's like equal to 50 British children <laughs> okay is that the international measurement Macaulay Culkin is 25 British children so one Culkin is and 25 and Kieran Culkin is 25 British okay so that's two yeah. so that's like <laughs> yeah. a, a Kieran Culkin is like a kilo Culkin yeah yeah, yeah okay I got it it's the Culkin scale it. yeah it's the metric Culkin scale <laughs> yeah the Culkin scale right next to the Kelvins it's how you measure heat how you measure children <laughs> you guys probably I, mean, I didn't realize there was an international exchange rate of children yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. so you, if you sold a Culkin in England you could get 25 children you could get yeah. 25 British exactly. kids exactly yeah. that's yeah. amazing yeah, the Culkins right. are doing a lot better than the dollar which is which is interesting <laughs> that's that's how America wins <laughs> in the exchange rates that's how America wins you know it's fine pretty clever you can best our dollar all you want yeah, but we ahead. have a pile of Culkins that could bring <laughs> down and just nine, give us nine months we'll make another fucking Culkin <laughs> <laughs> they're not that hard to grow <laughs> <laughs> we have, they're, they're pretty easy. Just don't. You, all you just get them wet and don't feed them after midnight. <laughs> Boom. Calkin. <laughs> done. You're done. One and done. Um, but it must have been. I mean, to to go off and uh, you know to do something like Equus was probably. I imagine. I'm sure you've talked about this a million and a half times. But um, but uh, was that a conscious decision? Did, did you say like, well, this is a project that I really want to do, or did you say, you know, this is important for me to. Uh, show this different side. Um, really, I just I wanted to get naked. Um, no, <laughs> that was the side I was, that was talking the side about. I was yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah. Was my front side and my back side. <laughs> uh, um, no, um, I, uh, you know, it was. I, I always knew I wanted to start. I always knew it was going to be easier to uh, plant the thought or initiate the the process in people's minds of transitioning out of Potter while Potter was still going on. Mm-hmm. So you, you know you can go off and do something and then people still get to see you as Potter so it's not like you're just getting to the end rather than waiting to get to the end of the series and then going okay now I'm starting to do other things I, I thought it was important to on those in those months off from the Potter films that we had at that time squeeze a film in squeeze up the, you know, the production of Equus in or whatever it was just to you know to, to let people know that it was something you wanted to do um, and then Equus came around originally because Ken Branagh uh, suggested it to us. Ken Branagh was going to direct a production with myself, and we did the workshop. It was with me and Adrian Lester, who's um, 
you may not know Adrian's work, but he's an amazing British actor. Um, and, uh, and it will also, you know, amuse you because there, there's a world between Adrian Lester and Richard Griffiths. Um, <laughs> um, and, and both in, in age, uh, size and skin colour. And, you know, they're, 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 so it's, it doesn't seem like a, a natural progression to then go to Richard, but I'll explain. Um, so basically what, what happened was uh, that um, we... Uh, Equus came around. Ken wanted. Ken was going to direct it. We he directed a workshop of it with me and Adrian, uh, which was like a two-day long workshop. And then at the end of the two days, we had to show what we'd done to the writer in order for Peter Jaffer in order to, for him to decide whether or not he would give the rights over. Okay. I didn't know that this was not the way things always were done in theatre. <laughs> so I was just like, oh yeah, cool. We're going to rehearse it for two days and then do a little show for the writer. Yeah, cool. I guess that's how it always works. Yeah. Um, apparently not. Um, but yeah, and we did it. And Peter Schaffer uh, came up and walked up to the top floor of the old Vic uh, rehearsal rooms which he made him feel very bad for doing um, and uh, yeah and he was pleased with what he saw and, and signed over the rights and then uh, for various reasons um, I think Ken I guess that was when Ken was maybe went to do Sleuth I think I'm not sure um, what it was, but he uh, was unable to do the play in the end. I've got to make Thor. I'll see you later. <laughs> I, I, I don't think he was as early as Thor, but it was you know he was obviously starting yeah. on his film career or uh, well, continuing his film career, and um, and then so then Thea Sharrick came on board, and there was a, a choice of uh, which is who directed the Sunshine Boys, which is on here at the moment, and and you know she there was a moment where they said, well, do you want to not do it now that it's not with Ken? And by that point, I'd put so much work in, and I'd been reading it and learning it for like a year already that I was like, no, I still want to do it. And and um, and then and then you know it's people talk about uh, it being a risk, but the fact is, if I'd done a really safe play at that time, I would have just people would have been just saying, oh well, he's just done this; it doesn't really prove anything. You know, sure. you do have to put yourself out there a bit in order to to show that you're gonna, you know, uh, you do have to challenge yourself in order to get any recognition for that. Otherwise, it you sort of you you make it too easy for people to write. But do, <laughs> you're not but, really trying. But is it sort of irritating that it's like? It, it, that it's so much of it, so, so a lot of the press was focused on the, and he got naked. And it's like, hey, can we talk about the performance part of it? So. Um, you know, I'm, I've always had a very sort of uh, pragmatic attitude towards that, which is that, you know, if it gets people to come and see the show, they're still going to come and see the show. Like, they're still going to end up seeing Equus. Yeah. They're not going to, you know, just come and see the nude scene. I mean, I, I, I think I, I wasn't surprised by that. You know, it's, uh, it's um, a fairly... You know, it was a controversial play in the seventies, and it's and it's good in a way that it was still had some sort of uh, contro- controversy around it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I I, I don't um, I wasn't annoyed. It, I mean, I, I suppose you get slightly tired of answering the questions, but you're not really annoyed. It's just more like you kind of just uh, you know. I was resigned to it before they even started asking them. You know, I, I knew those would be the questions. You knew it was and, coming. And the fact that alongside those questions were a bunch of really good reviews and a bunch of people who loved the show, that was all I required. Yeah, you I, see my dick, but, like, I totally fall in love with this horse. It's yeah, great. exactly. Come on. You know, I'm trying to get people <laughs> like to talk about the real stuff. But let's talk about the I horse. I fall in love with a horse. <laughs> that's what's so, but that's what's so crazy about doing promotion at the moment for Killy Darlings is, uh, you know, because I've this gay sex scene in it and, you know, People are acting like I. This is the first shocking scene I've done, and like, and but the thing is that people are acting like it's much more shocking than than Equus. And I was like, Have you read Equus? Like Equus is a, seriously like that guy has <laughs> That's issues. The like, least yeah. of the issues. But that was, and then, and then in Equus, that when I was doing that, there was like I smoked in the show, and there was a whole thing at the time like. 
he smokes on a show. It's a bad influence. There was articles written about it. And I was oh like, my God. He blinds six horses. <laughs> like, he also, you know, has a pseudo-sexual religious worship of an animal. You know, write about that as a weird <gasps> thing. No, no, but he's smoking. smoking. <laughs> yeah. I'm the Daily Mail, and I've decided hey, that's bad. It is so crazy to me that the Daily Mail has is, is has so widely known all over the world. <laughs> it's so mad Oh, to me. come on. <laughs> I, I play this blind the... game of like, oh, there's a weird fucking headline on Huffington. Post. I bet it's gonna be a Daily Mail story. <laughs> Click. I was right. That's a that's a really interesting game. There's a there's a game. Um, Graham Linehan, one of the writers oh, of yeah, Far Ted and Big Train, does. Uh, he he talked about a game he he did on Have I Got News for You, where he you go to the um, Daily Mail site and, and type in all grown up into the search bar, and it is just like pictures of teenage girls. From a newspaper that like preaches morality to people, and uh. then you know it's it's that's that's them though. That's that's the joy of them. Wonder how Graham <laughs> came up with that game. Just <laughs> 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 stumbled across uh. this. But no, but you know what? It, it comes. It, it comes. I think. I mean, he may have had it in his defense. I feel like I should. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I think it comes because when you know when it, it is incongruous when people like you know the the example I'll use is is Emma Watson. You know when she. Was uh, the Sun? The Sun newspaper in England literally had a countdown to her 16th birthday. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, it's. Um, but we did the same thing in America with the Olsen twins. Do you remember when they were? Did they did SNL or something? And they're like, uh, "Okay, six in six months we'll be 18." Like it was the same kind of. They did the same kind of thing. Wow. Yeah, which is um, it's you, it's a big double standard, isn't it? It's really? Creepy. It is real creepy. Yeah, yeah. It's, real. <laughs> um, it's all real creepy because, like, I, as well, like. I I don't know I, I I picture the people writing the story, and I I picture them all. Have you ever watched Monkey Dust? No. Okay, Monkey Dust is a show you should watch as well. Great name. Monkey, first of all, Monkey Dust is an animated show written by one of the right uh, one of the writers who wrote Young Doctor's Notebook. The show okay. I did uh, Sean Pye and and another guy. Um, and it's like a really weird animated sketch show set in just a dystopian future. And it you I, you I, will love it. I, I love it already. Um, and and uh, there's this one guy who's literally just. All you see of him is a hand that comes uh, out to a chair and is talking on an internet chat room, and it's just like this really creepy, weird character that you never <laughs> see. And whenever I, I pictured someone writing stories about, like, you know, trying to sexualize young women at that age, I always pictured does that? Is that that's a the weird, creepy thing? hand? It's a weird, creepy hand at a keyboard. Like, <laughs> it's, it's not okay. But Making with, that noise. Yeah. But with kill your, <laughs> <laughs> but with, uh, with with kill your darlings, uh, you said that you know. People are like, oh, this gay. Se- Killer Darlings, by the way, uh, I haven't, uh, I haven't seen. Is it out yet? Oh, it's out October sixteenth in October New York and 16th. LA. Okay, but essentially, um, it's sort of a mystery that involves like William Burroughs and Alan Ginsberg and Jack yeah. Kerouac. You play Ginsberg. Right? I play Ginsberg at seventeen. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. he basically um, just to uh, blast through the story very quickly. Um, Alan, uh, Alan goes to Columbia in nineteen forty-four, where he meets this guy called Lucian Carr. Lucian was this amazingly charismatic. A guy who Alan fell head over heels in love with and um, Lucian was also the person that introduced Alan Ginsberg to William Burroughs and Jack Kerouac Lucian was then involved with a much older man who um, uh, he murdered ultimately and the aftermath of that murder kind of all the beats all the people that went on to become the beat generation were really involved in the aftermath of that murder and it was a really formative moment in all their lives and their writing careers um, so it's sort of yeah it's the story of, of of a murder the true story of a murder that sort of formed the beat generation and and I uh, at one point 
uh, after Dane, who plays Lucian, has rejected me, I, um, in sort of in the middle of my heartbreak, go and um, have sex with a random stranger. Which, I mean, you know, I don't know why that... I mean, you're an actor... It's a part. It's a part. You do it. Yeah. It's a you know. That's the thing. It it is. It is. I, the amazing thing about the last few weeks is that just how when you do interviews a lot and when you, particularly junket style interviews, you can kind of take a cross section of what the overriding narrative people want to create is mm-hmm. by the questions they ask. And the, the, clearly, the people wanted to be like Dan Radcliffe found the gay sex scene really weird. Um, that's what people seem to want me to say, and it, it nobody can quite. I mean, I, like, I can see how to an outsider who's not in the industry, you must think that must be a super weird thing to do and you can't imagine ever doing that. But, like, I have been naked on stage at this point. Like, right. you, you, as an actor, you kind of get used to being in uh, exposed, both, you know, physically and, and, and sort of, uh, you know, metaphorically exposed uh, positions. And and um, and it's not something... And as you say, it's, it's just a job. I mean, it's sex scenes do have a slight sort of giggly awkwardness to them because you are ultimately still getting naked in front of somebody you just met or, or so met So I recently. should write a giggly, awkward sex scene. And then it'll be really easy to do. <laughs> Done. Yeah, well, exactly. I don't know if... I don't, a lot of people probably don't even know this or remember this in the, in the States anyway, but um, Russell Crowe was in a movie called The Some of Us where he played a young gay man and his father had... It was a pretty beautiful huh. movie and his father had... His father had, he was taking care of his dad. His dad had, I don't know if it was Alzheimer's or he had a stroke or something he was taking care of his dad. And there's a scene in that where he and this dude just like fully, like really go at it. And this was pre-Gladiator, pre-Russell Crowe in the States. I think it was an Australian movie, like I said. And, uh, and you know, it's just like, well, he's an actor and it's a yeah. part and that's what that character exactly. is. And why is that? It's just, it's only, it's, it's purely shocking because of, the, in the context of the, other, the stuff course. that I've done. I'm also like, confused as to uh, why we're even talking about the fact that there's a gay sex scene in the movie. And well, because that's what the press is on. That's, 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 that's what, that's what, because we were talking about. The press is the stupid, shocking. guys. Yeah, well, let's well, go back to the Daily Mail. Anyone's no they, <laughs> but they know how to do it. They know how to do it. Yes, but, you know, Dan, Dan's saying in the context of the Potter films and then this and it's like, what is all this? And it's like, well, it's a job, you know, like yeah. you're working. It's a, it's a you job know, that you felt that you wanted to, you know, uh, to do that creatively was fulfilling. My Why? favorite question that I got asked was, uh, was, was, um, so, um, you, you have a gay sex scene in this movie. Why did you just want to go there with that? <laughs> Why did you just want to go there with that? It's the greatest question in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Not if you're a journalist. <laughs> but and then and then and then the same point. Oh, with, bloggers! Yeah, I, I was. It was. I was just like. I. I don't know. I was just like. I, I, my response was. I didn't request the scene. Like I didn't like it was there. And I was. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, you know what's weird in the original draft of the script, it had us just having dinner, and I was like, well, that's fuck. <laughs> What if instead of what if instead of eating potatoes, uh, we have sex? <laughs> we were asking, we were talking to we were talking to Tom Hanks about his least favorite pre, like um, junket day questions, and he said, "There's always one guy that just says the title of the thing you're doing." <laughs> we'll go um, kill your darlings. That's, uh, that's and then just wait for you like. To... That's very, very funny. That's <laughs> very, that's a very funny observation. There, you do get people who do that a lot, um, and, and just, and just like you know, and who who were who, just, just a general habit. The point that that speaks to is people who sort of they just will say a lot of things and des- and then stop talking as if to d- the the word discuss is implied. <laughs> yes. like, they'll just say, "So you have gay sex in this movie." <laughs> um, oh, the, uh, you know, so, 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 to go back to that question or whatever, or whatever the question is. Or so I hear you and Dane become good friends. 
<laughs> and then yes. just stare at yes. you. Yes, yes, we have. <laughs> and then it's like, well, in what sense do you want me to elaborate on that? You know, that's not a question. Um, so it is, it is, it is slightly. I do you up. find in junkets, that sense, like do you find junkets to be just horrible? No, I find they're they're really important, and I and I actually they you can create a certain you know excitement in them, and sometimes you do get people, and it's great when people are coming in and really excited about the film. And yeah, and I and I'm always, you know, I enjoy talking. It's just it is when people when people start coming in and asking silly questions, then you start to get slightly annoyed eventually. But but you know, it's I'm I'm also very good at this point of just if I hear the question, if I hear a silly question, I just answer just another question. Right. Yeah. Um, Have you ever been interviewed by Larry King? Many times. I was interviewed by Larry King yesterday. You were? Okay. Yeah. My, my favorite thing about the way that he interviews... I have many favorite things. <laughs> have you noticed this with him? Because uh, when I did... It, 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 I... I had never really paid attention to the way that he interviews people. Like, he has a very specific tactic, or at least he did with me, which was... He asks you a bunch of innocuous questions that seem to come out of left field, and then all of a sudden hits you with something that you'd be like, "Oh, so you like?" So if like if you were talking to you, he'd say, "Oh yeah, you like you like Tom Lair? That's great. He's got a lot of great songs. Uh, what's your favorite Tom Lair song? Okay. Oh, you like to? What's your favorite beer? You like beer? Um, uh, why did you want to have gay sex? And so, yeah. <laughs> so like you're sort of talking conversationally. So he opens you up, and then he just hits you with something. No, and- he did almost exactly that yesterday with that question. <laughs> he, he said, um, he said, uh, he said he was talking. He asked Michael. I was being interviewed with Michael C. Hall with him, and and he said to Michael, uh, Michael, did you, uh, you know, what was it like working with Dan? And Michael gave like an incredibly, incredibly complimentary, eloquent, long, lovely answer, and I was sitting there being totally flattered. And then Larry cut right across that moment with, "So you have gay sex in this movie?" <laughs> um, and, and but he was, but I mean, I have to say, like, God, I hope I have that much energy when I'm his age. Like the fact that it is, it is seriously impressive. Yeah. But it's like, it's, it is like, there's a kind of, I don't know, there's like a gruffness, sure, which I just really enjoy. And you don't, especially when like I'm spending all day being interviewed by like, you know. All the random outlets. People from you know, E who's all just, you know, perky and <laughs> right. young and right. like right at the other end. And then just you just get like kind of intense. It's, and so, it's, like, it's so funny whenever I rewatch Ghostbusters and he's in the He's fucking, in Ghostbusters! He's in the he's in the montage scene and yeah. the man looks exactly the same and his and he's just still like that over with a still, fucking cigarette what I don't understand is he still has the microphone the little microphone yeah. we, we were interviewed yeah. on like in like yeah. a, a dinner table in a in a hotel yesterday and they was like I was just like is it I was looking around like is it plugged into anything? <laughs> I, I no. love I love that's I that's one of my favorite things about about late night desks, like the Late Show and uh, like Letterman the still has the microphone there. Yeah, I suppose and I've does, seen it a couple yeah, of times sweet. where the where the mic has gone out for the like the lobby, and they, mic, lean in and and they just lean in and use it. And I'm like, I guess I guess it's, I guess it's plugged <laughs> wow. in. Wow, I guess huh. it's plugged in. Would you ever do you like hosting at all? Would you ever want to host? Or? Um, I I hosted. Uh, Live with Kelly just before oh, Michael Strahan right. did it, and it was so terrifying. Like, it's oh, not. Sorry, you didn't get the job. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. That's I'm right. Not. My mom, because my mom loves. Oh, really? Loves, loves, loves she Kelly should, and she, she should. Uh, Kelly and, and and now Michael is awesome. But she, Kelly Ripper is like a genuinely awesome woman. Like, I've I've been meeting her every year since I was like. Uh, Ten on Potter, and she is she's a really smart and very like genuinely funny person, and and yeah, she's she's cool. Um, but uh, yeah, so um, I, but no, that experience of hosting it was like I have so much respect because what they have to do, and what I think you know you don't realize about 
like people like Kelly and Michael until you sort of have been on the other side of it is the ability to sort of remain that relaxed and seemingly that relaxed but also that focused and know how much time you have left on a bit and how mm-hmm. when you that's a real skill man and that is and not one I have um, <laughs> because I'm either relaxed or I'm you know t- timing something like they, I can't be both <laughs> well I think because you I think theater helps more with that than film acting Probably. I mean, theater, you know, like, you're you're doing essentially a live performance. They're basically doing... They're, that, those shows are basically just timed live theater. That's that's all those are. I suppose it is, but it's, it's but there's also a lot... There's a lot more variables in, in the show. I guess that's um, true. <laughs> there, there are. Well, they're, they're certainly than I hope there should be in theater. Um, <laughs> than, you know, than I normally have. So, ultimately, what is it, uh, you know, uh, what, what things do you want to do that you haven't done yet? Like, what do you, what do you, like, someday... Oh. Skydiving? <laughs> um, Sorry, I'm writing a piece for the Daily so, Mail. Uh, well, uh... You know what's just come into my head, and I'll share it with you because it's not—it's not what I want to do, and it's just—it's just kind of a gross fact. Apparently, I was talking to somebody from Florida the other day, and apparently, <laughs> let me stop you there. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, you know how swimming with dolphins yeah. is on like most people's lists of something yeah. they want to do. Mm. Apparently, dolphins are like not so much fun to swim with. Apparently, they like have their. <laughs> I always thought something rather disgusting about their penises, which I won't share. But, like, it's apparently, like, people have been assaulted by dolphins. Yes, yes, they have. Recently. Like, dolphins, uh, you know, they're fun and cute and cuddly, and then all of a sudden they try to sexually assault you. Yeah, because, like... I I think word's gotten out. I think uh, the sonar has finally hit the other pack. And they're like, watch out for these fucking humans because they're yeah. gonna crawl on your goddamn back and grab your dorsal fin. They're gonna. Tra- if someone tried to ride me, I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't assault them sexually, but I would be upset. No, I'd be like, I guess this is happening. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's the equivalent of if, if dolphins came on the land and there was a ride where you just got to ride around in a car with humans all day because that's their way. That's their. That's the way that yeah, they're you, mobile. We wouldn't object. To that. I mean, you sort of would. Be like, oh, <laughs> oh come on! And what if dolphins are dicks? Put your <laughs> <laughs> like you know, what if they're what if they're actually really unpleasant and think, they they sort of conceited? I think they might be kind of dicks. I think they might be because the thing of is dicks. the thing is you hear all the time dolphins are so smart. We're not saying that, are they? So who's saying that? Probably them. Yeah, and if you, <laughs> and the noise that they make sounds so smarmy. Eh, 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 yeah, eh. like the they're just like mocking wind. you. They it's like, like they're mocking you. It's like they're they're like a person standing on like a, at a hotel reception just ringing the bell constantly with that <laughs> with that noise. It's just constantly an attention getting noise. <laughs> yeah. So um, ultimately, so ultimately, I don't want to swim with dolphins. So is my fuck question. dolphins. Um, um, I do want to. Uh, I don't want to swim with dolphins, but I do want to direct. Um, <laughs> not that there's a anything that links those. Can um, I interest you in the new flipper movie? <laughs> Why did I take this job? I said I didn't like them. Oh, God. I've just backed myself in the corner. Now I can't take this great new job. Um, well, no. we got Chris Columbus standing by and about 50 children. <laughs> um, oh, we'll no, just get a Culkin. Uh, two. Two Culkins. Um, two Culkins. Actually, two Culkins only worth three dolphins. What? It's a weird exchange. <laughs> oh, now, that, now you're just working so sideways. How many children, British children, could I get for three dolphins by that exchange, right? 50. No, the no, exchange rate is three, correct. Three dolphins equal two Culkins, which equal 50 British children. Yeah. Oh, wow, okay. So 50, yeah. children, 50 British children All right. are worth three dolphins. It's a 3-2 ratio from dolphins so, to uh, Culkins. How many, do- how many children can I get for nine dolphins? Guys, Somebody work that out and send This sounds like a Tom Lehrer song. <laughs> <laughs> three dolphins for two Culkins and 50 British children. Nine dolphins is 150 British children. 
Very good. That, that was some. Uh, right for a new math. Um, uh, no, but so yeah, but uh, what were we talking about? You want to direct? About, you want I want to direct. direct. Yeah, I want to direct the new Flipper movie. Um, uh, we're breaking the news. Yeah. Um, no, I do. I would love to directing. So I definitely like growing up on sets and watching. I just think it would be. It seems like a very fun thing to be making a creative decision every second of the day. Like, yeah. that sounds fun. Um, and uh, yeah, and I and I and I want to write as well because I figured it would probably be easier for me to write something to direct rather than trying to convince somebody else to give me their material. <laughs> so at the moment, I'm just writing on something. I'm working on something with. Um, would on my on my own, but I've I've sent it to a friend to give me copious notes on it. Oh, nice. that's really that's really yeah. cool. Yeah, it's good. Do you feel like each project is, um, you know, that is there sort of a, a kind of an unspoken algorithm in your head that's like, well, this job is will be good because it's challenging, and then also it will surprise people. Yeah, I mean, I suppose there are certain criteria that you know you I mean, that, but it's you know it's everything from the director to the part and. You know, have I played something like this before? Have I been in, um, you know, I, I wouldn't want to... It's an interesting thing people often talk about me. Like, I did an interview yesterday for a sort of a horror story for an for a, 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 a article about horror because I'm considered somebody who does a lot of work in fantasy and horror. But, like, Horns and Frankenstein and Women in Black are all so different that I feel like I don't feel like count as like repetition to be honest even though you can say there's something's the same genre but it can still be a very different movie um and then yeah i mean but i uh oh god i've lost my train of thought again sorry Uh, (laughs) you're doing so many um, interviews the next the last couple days um but yeah so i mean i guess it's i i'm what else do i look for i mean i it has to be a challenge it has to be some sort of I, i have to feel like i'm gonna take something away from it um and and i definitely like the fact that uh I'm in a position where I can surprise people with choices because I guess people expect me to do... Um, I don't know what people expect me to do coming out of Potter because I would always get, like... I don't know what I would have... Like, people always say, what would you have to have... Like, what do you... You know, why do you choose such different parts? I'm like, well, I don't know what I would have had to choose to find something similar right. to Harry by the same <laughs> token. Like, I mean, unless I had gone, like, into Mortal Instruments or, like, another young adult series. Of, right. like, I don't know what would have been similar. Um, so, yeah, I, but I definitely like the fact that people seem to enjoy the fact that my choices are slightly, you know, off the beaten path. That's fun, and it just speaks to my taste more than anything else, I think. Well, this has been a phenomenal hour chatting with you. This has been so fun, really. I Thank mean, you. absolute delight. Yeah. I, I, I really, you know, it, a lot of times when I've never met someone before, I don't know, you know, I can sort of like, well, they, maybe they'll be cool, I don't know. But I just had a feeling, just from what I'd seen of the outside stuff that you had done, just stuff I've seen on YouTube, that I was like, I think he's going to be really pretty damn cool. Oh, and cool. Uh, and uh, this was a blast. This was a blast. This it's, was really nice. Thank it's you. It's funny, because I, I got off the plane from London, and I was at LAX, and I saw you. And I was like, we should try to get Daniel Radcliffe for the Nerdist TV show at the time, which was in March or whatever. And then we went out and was like, no, but he he's busy, but he'd been doing the podcast sometime. And it finally happened. It cool. finally happened. I mean, it's hard I'm with the, really with you guys good. when you when you're so far away yeah. over across the pond, and yeah. you're probably only here for like a day or two, right? Um, yeah, I'm here. For, I've been here for like five days or something. But uh, but it's 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 been it's been lovely, and this has been probably well. Definitely the most fun interview I've had. I oh, thanks, man. Suck it, Larry King. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Larry, but uh, you're a close <laughs> second. Actually, genuinely, 
that would be second. Like, that was fun. Um, <laughs> he is, he is like, pretty it great. Was, it was great. Poughkeepsie, you're on the line. <laughs> that was so. That was the other thing that Michael C. Hall did was that he went because uh, Larry asked him to uh, do an impression because Michael C. Hall had done on uh, Kevin Pollock's podcast had done the Larry King right, the Larry impression King game, thing. Yeah. So he said to him, "Would you do that for us now?" And Michael so, and Michael said that uh, he what he'd done on the Kevin Pollock show was tell a story about um, animal husbandry, and which he later said to me was dog fellatio was the word he used. Um, and, and then he just went Bolton, um, and that was and yesterday. That was like that was his entire Larry King impression that he did. Everyone was just Bolton, and it didn't. It didn't. Like everyone else in the room laughed a lot. Are you guys? Are you guys any fun plan for tonight? Or are you gonna? You... Um, I'm gonna probably do not very much tonight. Maybe watch some college football. I don't know who's nice. playing, but I'll watch something. And then tomorrow's all football all day. My friend Matt Key is having his birthday party. It's a Bill Murray themed party. Wow! So you go as anything in the Bill That's Murray cool. universe. You go like you see somebody. A lot of, there's an opportunity for a very good Groundhog Day joke where somebody just keeps walking, keeps into your party. walking over and over and over yeah. again. That's someone should do just that through the not. house, around the yard, <laughs> yeah, yeah, through yeah. the house, and around just the yard. acting like the or, or you know what the first time you know what they should just stay sober the whole night and then when drunk people tell them a story for the fourth time just act like it's the first time again. Yes. Like here's what I'm gonna, here's going to do. Here's, here's, here's <laughs> what I'm going to do. I'm going to hire Stephen Tobolowsky. Yeah. I'm going to pay him $10,000. To and be then, Ned Ryerson To be you? Ned Ryerson, and I'll just keep circling, <laughs> and then every time he'll just go like, Phil, Phil Connors! <laughs> and then I'll just get increasingly more annoyed you know as you the should, night goes on. That you should just, you, he should, whoever goes as, as Bill Murray in Groundhog Day should just have someone go with him as that guy. As Ned Ryerson. Just, that, would be, that would be a brilliant <laughs> costume. That would, my, uh, my, my girlfriend's friends uh, went as... Um, Colt McCoy and and Jordan Shipley one year to <laughs> Halloween and just threw a ball back to each other the whole night and had to explain who they were for a lot of it. Did you? Who are you going as? What are you? What are you dressing up as? I think just in the interest of time because I've been too busy to put together a really good Bill Murray costume. You're I think I'm going to go to the Army Surplus Store and just do Carl from Caddyshack. Because oh, that's cool. the easiest one. It's just like basically just cargo shorts and the and a, and a tank top. I think you uh, run over to Burbank to the Western Store. Pick up a Western shirt and pull a kingpin and bring the ball. Oh, I could bring the bowling ball. I have the bowling ball with a skull in it. Yeah. So I could do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, maybe I'll do kingpin. <laughs> um, but, uh, well, Dan, thanks, that man. Awesome. Thank you so, so much. Good to see it, you. A genuine pleasure. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thanks Enjoy so your much. burrito, everyone. We did it. We did it. Nice. That's such fun, you guys. Oh, that man, was the best. awesome. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. This episode of Nerdist Podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code NERDIST10. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front-row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart. Or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.